0: Welcome to Christian Faith Center we're a church that meets in multiple locations if you'd like to know more about our church just head to our website experienceCfc.com thanks for joining us everybody grateful for the good news of the gospel tonight amen well I'm so honored to be here and uh, I, I love your pastors pastors Jordan and Amanda and just the last few months beginning this friendship. You know, the Bible talks about God gives spiritual leaders. God gives the church gifts in their pastors and leaders. And, and God, God must like you guys a lot. Because <laughs> he's given you good gifts in your pastors. And, and I love their heart for you. I love their heart for this state, for this region to multiply, for the capital C church. And, and so I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to see. I've been hearing about for the last few months what God has been doing here. I've actually been, shout out to the production teams in the online church. I've been watching the, the, for the last few weeks trying to get a peek into what God is doing here so I can feel like I have a sense when I came tonight. I'm like, what, what is God doing here? So it's been amazing to see um, from across the country. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. And, and, and so excited to be here tonight. Shout out to Richmond, Virginia. Anybody? Are you ready to get into God's Word tonight? If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6. And I'm believing and praying that God has a Word for you tonight that's going to be on time and that's going to speak something to your heart. This is a great part about God's Word is that I don't have to know you or know your name or know your story, but God does. God does. And God's spirit through God's word is able to take it and download it right to you for what you need in this season and in this time. And so I'm praying and believing that's going to be the case tonight. And I want to talk about a very popular Bible story, Daniel in the lion's den. And I would like to read one scripture and then we're going to pray and to get into God's word. Daniel chapter number six, verse number 23. If you're ready for God's word tonight, somebody say, "I'm I'm ready. Daniel chapter six, verse 23. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. That last phrase is where we're going to camp out tonight and talk about from God's word. No wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Not because the lions weren't hungry. Not because he fought them off with aggression, because he trusted in his God. And the title for my message tonight is simply this, you can trust God. You can trust God. Father, thank you for the moments that we share around your word tonight. And Lord, my prayer is that you would do what I cannot, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, when we leave this place tonight, I pray that we wouldn't have just sang a song and heard a talk, but Lord, would we have heard from heaven. So Spirit of God, speak to us. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love the book of Daniel. I love the story of Daniel because it's about someone trying to follow God In the middle of a world and a culture that's not following God. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Daniel, along with some others, they were Hebrew boys. They were taken captive to Babylon. They're in a foreign land, under foreign laws, with foreign culture and foreign customs. And they're brought to Babylon. And while they're in Babylon, they are being trained in the Babylonian ways. They, they are being uh, thrown into the Babylonian culture. And it's, it's this juggling act. It's this tension of Daniel trying to serve God and honor God and also trying to honor the people there, but, but still honoring God, not compromising his walk with God. And, and it's an incredible story. And the Bible talks about Daniel at the beginning of Daniel chapter 6, that he's working under the king. He's got a government job. He's working for a foreign king in a foreign land, and and the Bible says that he has been gifted with exceptional qualities. Don't you love that God gives good gifts to his children? Don't you love that God gifts each and every one of us with good gifts, not to be used for our own gain or our own platform, but for his glory and for his kingdom? God has given you a gift. This is the beautiful part about the body of Christ that your gift is not my gift and my gift is not your gift. But God has given each and every one of us exceptional qualities to be used for His kingdom and for His ways. Just look at your neighbor. Look at him right now and say, you're gifted. You're gifted. Yeah, you're gifted. Yeah, you're gifted for sure. Now, now look at the other one that you ignored and say, you too. You too. You too. You too. <laughs> you're gifted. And When you begin to use your gift for God, when you begin to use what God has put in your hand and to develop it and to put it into action, God can use it in a great way. And this is what's happening for Daniel. He's in a foreign land, but the scriptures tell us he's been gifted, he's got exceptional qualities, and that the king was planning to promote Daniel over the whole kingdom. Come on somebody, it's promotion day. Is, this is, he's in a foreign land. He's a captive, but God is blessing. He's getting, he's getting put in a position of authority over the whole land. But how many people know when God is using a blessing, not everybody's excited about it. <laughs> when God's doing something, when you with your life, when when you're using your gifts and when God is elevating you in a certain space, in a certain place, not everybody will be your biggest cheerleader. (laughs) Not everybody will be in your corner. Not everybody will think it's awesome. In fact, quite the opposite is true. Some people will hate it. Be envious of it. Try to destroy it. This, this is Daniel chapter 6. Because the guys Daniel was working with saw their promotion in the works and they brought the task amongst themselves to stop it from happening. We've got to stop this. He can't be put over the whole kingdom. And he, he, he can't be the guy. So they begin to scheme. They begin to get together. Surely, surely there was something they can do to take the guy out. Like, surely there was a moment in Daniel's business and in his work where he cut a corner because it was better for business. Surely there was a time where he lapsed integrity just a little bit because it was better for the job. Like, sure, surely there was something. There was some kind of something they could find in his work, in his life, that they could use to bring to light, accuse him, and take him out. And I love Daniel chapter 6 tells us they looked at his life, they searched, they planted, and they could find no corruption in him. It's a man of integrity, a man of wholeness, a man of completeness. It it, it was not just something he declared publicly with his mouth, but he he lived with his life. In fact, the only thing they did see about him in their meeting and their planning, they knew if they're going to take him out, it's going to have to do with the law of his God. People that didn't love God looked at Daniel... And could tell Daniel was committed to God. People that didn't serve God looked at Daniel and knew he loves God. So that was going to be their play. If they're going to take him out, it's going to have to do with God. They knew he was committed to the law of his God. So they go to King Darius and they propose to King Darius a law. And the law is this: anybody that prays to anybody but King Darius for the next thirty days gets a death sentence. You get tossed into the den. With the lions. And so they're proposing this law to pray to a king, to a power hungry, authoritative, godless king. Right up his alley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so not much discussion or debate from King Darius. King Darius hears the proposal and he thinks it sounds lovely. <laughs> so he signs it into law, he signs it with the Medes and the Persians, the surrounding areas, which essentially meant there were no loopholes, zero exceptions. It's now signed into law. Anybody that prays to anybody but King Darius gets a death sentence. We learn that Daniel finds out and the scripture tells us that Daniel gets down on his knees just like he had done with his windows open towards Jerusalem and Daniel begins to pray to his God just like he always did. And of course, that's what they wanted him to do. That's what they thought he would do. That was the plan. That was the trap they had set to do that. And so he falls right into their trap. They find him. They arrest him. They bring him before the king. The king doesn't want to kill him because he was going to promote him. The king liked him. But because of how the laws were signed, the king's hands were tied. It was set and sewn, signed, sealed, delivered. There was nothing he could do. He gives the order. Daniel's thrown in the den. And the next day, when he's lifted of the... When he's pulled out of the den, we see in verse 23, no wound was found on him. Why? Because he trusted. Trusted in his God. Verse 23 gives us a lens as to which we can see all of Daniel chapter 6. The lens that we know Daniel is operating in throughout the entirety of the chapter is trust in God. Trust in God. This is what it looks like to trust God. This is is how a life trusting God is lived. This is how faith trusting God looks. He gives us insight and gives us a lens as to see how we can trust God. And there's three things that I want to give you tonight that I think are going to encourage you. And I'm praying God downloads into your heart for those of you that are in a season where it might be hard for you to trust God. That God would encourage you through his word tonight that you can trust him. You can trust him. The first thing that I see from this story is in Daniel 6, chapter number 10. I want you to, I'm sorry, Daniel 6, verse number 10. I want you to look in verse number 10. And it says this, Now when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So here's the verse that tells us Daniel learns about the law and then what he does in response to it, okay? When he learned the decree had been published, he went home and prayed. All right, let's translate. Let's translate this verse really quickly, okay? Ready? When Daniel learned, if you pray, you die. You die. Daniel prayed. If you pray, you can kiss that promotion goodbye. Daniel prayed. When Daniel learned, if you pray, life will get very inconvenient and very uncomfortable very fast. Daniel prayed. <laughs> Here's the first thing that I see from the life of Daniel is this. When you trust God, you can obey God. When you trust God, you can obey Him even when it doesn't make a lot of sense. When you trust God, you can obey Him against all odds. When you trust God, you can obey Him against what most people would say or do. Like, I'm just thinking if I'm one of Daniel's friends. Maybe I'm the only unspiritual one in the house today. But I, I probably would have been like, it's only 30 days. <laughs> it's amazing how we can spiritually try to justify disobedience. God, you've been promoting me in the kingdom and your hand has been on me. God, surely you wouldn't want to stop what you've been doing with my... right. God, surely you've been elevating me. I wouldn't want to stop the process that you have in me. Surely, surely I can take a thirty-day hiatus, and I'll just worship. I won't pray. I'll pray extra afterwards. I'll, like, surely you're doing something here. I wouldn't want to stop it. It's easy to justify disobedience. But, but Daniel's giving us a model and a filter for what it is to trust God. Is when you trust God, you've got the freedom against whatever might be you might be up against. To obey Him. So so here's what His Word is calling me to, and I don't really understand it right now, and most people aren't doing it in 2021, but, but I can trust Him, so I'm going to obey. And I've sensed in this season, the Spirit of God is speaking something to me, He's guiding me in this direction, and God has given me this Word over and over and over again, and it's been confirmed five times over, and it just doesn't make sense, and no one around me would think it makes sense, But but because I trust God, I can obey Him to do it. I can obey Him. And if you're anything like me, we don't take steps of faith like this, like Daniel would have against all odds, uh, when it's scary, when it's intimidating, when when, when you don't know what God is going to do and how God's going to come through. We don't take steps of faith as followers of Jesus, believing for the worst. At least I hope you don't. We take it believing for the best. I don't take the step of faith thinking, oh, buckle up, life's about to be terrible for the next decade. Here we go, following Jesus. No, no, God is with me. God is greater than what I'm up against. God is my provider. God is my healer. God is a way maker. I'm going to take the step of faith and believe God to make a way even when I don't see it. So my, my steps of faith are full of faith. But if you're anything like me, I'm kind of a planner. I like to have stuff set and scheduled and systems. And and so so when it comes to me taking a step of faith, it's uncomfortable, okay? It's uncomfortable, and I have doubt. And you know, that's terrible, a pastor that struggles with doubt. I know, pray for me, pray for me. And so... So I hesitate sometimes, and I'm scared to take these leaps of faith, and because, because I lack faith sometimes, and because I'm such a planner, I'm like, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work, but God, by lunch on Tuesday, I need an answer. <laughs> and here's how you're going to give the answer, and here's what the answer is going to be. Okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. Come on, anybody do this? <laughs> God, I'm going to trust you, but I'm also going to tell you how to do it. God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm also going to be your leader in how to come through in my situation. <laughs> and I got—if I put myself in the mind of Daniel real quick, if I'm Daniel and I realize if I pray, everything around me would tell me I'm—I'm I'm dead. If I obey God here, everything around me would say that what God is doing with my position in the kingdom, and it's all gonna—it's st- all done. And that's, that's going to be it. That, that's where obedience is going to get me. Which, by the way, if that's where obedience gets you, we don't obey for results. We obey to obey. So, so if that's where obedience gets us, God is glorified. And we're with Him for all of eternity. But I've got to think, if I'm Daniel, I'm full of faith. have got to think I'm full of faith. And maybe my first thought is this, okay? Let's just be in the mind of Daniel for a second. Let's get into the story. Maybe I'm Daniel, and I get down on my knees to pray in my house just like i did every single day right every single day this is what he did and i got to think he's he's in obedience now knowing what's about to potentially happen knowing knowing what's going on i got to think if i'm daniel my first thought is you know what god can do a miracle right here god can do a miracle right here in my home like i mean god can god can blind the eyes of everybody around and i won't get caught yeah. <laughs> i mean I, God can do anything. God can rescue me right here in my home. If God so decides, I can obey right here. And and I will be rescued right here in my home. But as Daniel chapter 6 would go, God doesn't. He's caught. He's arrested. And He's taken from His home to the palace. And i got to think if I'm Daniel now, I say, "Oh, oh, Oh, you know, okay, God... Didn't come through for me there, praise the Lord, but I'm on the way to the palace and I'm going to the palace arrested and guilty of what I'm being accused for, but I'm doing it with a confidence because God has given me favor with the king. God's given me favor with the king. God has elevated me. God has given me favor with King Darius. And so I'm going to the palace knowing God has given me favor. God's going to find a way. And because of my favor with the king, I'm now going to be rescued and set free and delivered in the palace. He goes before the king and the king is grieved. And the king does not want to... Give him the sentence. The king does not want to do it. The king wants to promote him. This messed up the king's plans. But because of how the law was signed, his hands were tied. So he gives the order. Toss him in the, in the den. And I got to think now if I'm Daniel, I'm thinking, All right, God, you did not come through for me in my home. And you didn't come through for me at the palace. And so now, as he's getting ready to be tossed in the just picture the real life scenario for Daniel. The smell of the lions, the sound of the lions getting ready to be tossed in. I got to think, as, as that's happening, that had to have been the moment where, where he said, that's it. That's it. This is where obedience has got me, be. And Daniel was fine with that. Daniel was fine to obey. But, but that's, that's got to be the end of his rope where there seemed to be no hope, where that was it. But isn't it interesting that that's where God rescued Daniel. I was thinking about this and I was at the gym one time a few years ago and that was the last time I was there. A few years ago. <laughs> and this guy walks in the weight room, okay? And when I say this guy, I mean this guy. He's like one of those guys you see and you just look at him in the weight room. You're like, bro, do you live here? Like his muscles have muscles that have muscles that he's just just walking around. Just like I, I'm just like, dude, do I get stronger just looking at you, bro? Like it's, he goes over to the inclined bench press. Right, you picture this bench, slow back, the bar above your head, grab the bar off the rack, bring it down to your chest, pump it up like that, incline bench. Goes over and he starts throwing all this weight on. And his warm-up, I'm not exaggerating for the point of this story, okay? His warm-up is more than my max. He's just throwing weights on. In his first few sets, he is throwing the thing through the roof like it's feathers and marshmallows. I mean, just... <laughs> gets off, gets off, throws more weights on, throws more weights on, gets down. <laughs> he, he does this two sets, three sets, and I do not lie to you, he has now used all of the weights at this weight station or on the bar. So he starts to go to other people's weight station to grab other weights from them to put them on. And each set that he's doing, I think, oh, this has got to be the max. This has got to be his last set. He gets up, as more weight. Like he, set number three, set number four, set number five. Surely he's got to be done. And here he goes again. Surely he's got to be done. Here he goes again. And I, it, the bar now has so much weight on it, there is a slight bend to it. You guys seen this before? This is like, it's got this bend to it. This whole time he's doing this, I'm not lifting at all. I'm just watching him. I'm like, (laughs) This has got to be making me stronger, Pastor. It's got to be helping me, you know? Surely he's got to be done. Surely he's got to be done. So much weight on the bar. And he's now become like a show. Like everybody in the weight room is kind of like eyeing him and watching this. Surely he's got to be done. Add some more weight. This particular time, he's got the bar. He brings the bar down to his chest and starts to push it back up. He gets about halfway up and it stops. (laughs) Now, little little note here. If you knew anything about weightlifting, when momentum has stopped, you are done. (laughs) (laughs) Done. There, There is no such thing as like, come on, buddy, woo! Like... You're done. <laughs> Momentum had stopped, and the bar starting to slowly go back down to his chest, like he is done, and he knows he's done. You can see it on his face. His eyes, his veins are popping. He's sweating. He's kind of like looking the panicked, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, bro, I can't help you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, dear Jesus, lift the bird. Like, I don't know. I can't help you. <laughs> I'm watching this whole thing happen. What he did not see was as he was starting that last set, since people had started watching the guy at this point with so much weight, there was a trainer that had taken note of what was going on. And as he's about to start this last set, the trainer kind of scurries around and hops up on the spotting rack. So as soon as momentum stopped and the bar started going back down and the guy is panicking, the trainer just reached down, grabbed the bar, Put it back on the rack. And and the whole time I'm sitting there watching this whole scenario go down and and I'm thinking, Daniel chapter 6, I'm thinking, this is how our God works a lot of times. Like when the weight of life is so heavy and, and so crushing and when it feels like we are so powerless and God is absent and has forgotten or has neglected, it's often in that moment where God is very near, and very present, and very available. And in his timing, he lifts the burden. And I was thinking about Daniel chapter 6. It would have been so much easier for God to rescue Daniel in the house. Life would have been a lot better if God would have came through in the palace. But God didn't come through in the house or the palace. He came through in the den. Did you know that God is gracious and loving enough towards you to not always rescue you in the house? Did you know that God is so merciful towards you that he will not always come through for you in the palace? But he loves you and he loves me enough sometimes to get us to the den, to get us to the end of our rope, to get us where we have no other options. To show up because he wants to show us that he's the God of the lions. Because he wants to show us something that we can learn about him in the den that we can't learn about him in the palace. See, here's, here's what Daniel is showing us about trusting God. He's showing us that when you trust God, you can trust God's timing. When you trust God, you can trust God's timing. And this is an easy word to hear and a really hard word to live because the lion's den is uncomfortable. And the lion's den is frustrating. And God doesn't give us a time frame of when he's going to beat us in the lion's den. But what I do know is that God is the God of the lion's den. And I do know that God's ways are not our ways and God's timing is not our timing. But I do know if I trust him, I can trust his timing. I want to encourage somebody with this word today. You feel like you're not in a season you thought you'd be in now. You feel like your tires are spinning in the mud and you can't get traction and you're, you're, you're miles and laps behind where you thought or wanted to be. And I came here to encourage you tonight. You can trust God's timing. You can trust His timing. God is always on time, God is never late. He's also never early. Come on. (laughs) Just once, Lord. (laughs) Maybe he's occasionally early, not a lot, but he's never late. I love the book of Romans, chapter number five, verse number six. Scriptures tell us this, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God has always been on time. God is an on time God. And and for some of you, you're in a lion's den season, and it's difficult for you to trust God because what you wanted and prayed for and believed God to do in previous seasons, He has not yet done. And you're sitting in the den waiting for God. I came here to remind you God is always on time. He's the God of the lion's den. You can trust His timing. You can trust His timing. How do you know you can trust God? How do you know you can obey Him even when you're against all odds? How do you know you can trust His timing even when you're in the den and you've been in the den for a long time? i give you one phrase that you grab onto and take home tonight. The one phrase, how do you know you can trust Him, is simply this. God is faithful. God is faithful. One of my favorite verses in all the scriptures is this: Second Timothy two thirteen. The scripture says this: If we are faithless, alright. So hold on. Let's just let's just talk about it. If you have zero faith, like not a little bit, like not mustard seed faith, like none, zero. If you leave here and have no faith ever, if you leave here and don't ever do one thing to serve God or put your faith in God or live for God in any way, if you have zero faith ever, faithless, ready? He remains faithful. He remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. Here's what that's saying God's faithfulness, this is great news, is not dependent on you. God's faithfulness is not dependent on me. God's faithfulness is not contingent upon your performance or your level of faith. His faithfulness is based on who He is, and who He is is faithful, so He can't be anything but. God's faithful. How do you know you can trust Him tonight? You can trust Him because God is faithful. He's faithful. He always has been, He is, and He always will be. We could be here till midnight tonight just reading the Scriptures. Great is His faithfulness. His faithfulness reaches to the heavens. Great, He's the God of faithfulness. He is the Lord of faithfulness. All scattered throughout the Scriptures, the Scriptures would speak and declare, He is a faithful, faithful God. I can trust Him. I can obey Him when I don't understand. I can have faith in the home, the palace, and the den all the same. Why? Because He's faithful. He's faithful. Because He is, that's who He has to be to me and to you. It is impossible for Him not to be faithful to you. He's a God of faithfulness. Me and my wife, Anna, we went to um, Gatlinburg a few years ago in the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and Uh, We were doing a little anniversary thing. We've been married for almost eight years, guys, so we are now experts in marriage. (laughs) Right. We were going to the Smoky Mountains, and we're like, hey, let's go tubing down the rivers in the Smokies. You know, it was super cool. You just rent these, like, little inflatable tubes or whatever. And, you, you know, it was supposed to be, like, all fun and romantic, and this is a little vacation, this kind of thing. And, and we get there, we get there about noon, it's a beautiful spring day, we're like, oh man, this place is probably going to be slammed, this place is going to be packed, man, we got here a little bit late in the day, oh no. We show up and it's a ghost town, nobody's there. And I'm like, okay, what's wrong? What's wrong? And we show up there, you know, and I go up and, you know, we rent our tubes and we pay whatever, and I'm like, hey man, a lot of people out down the river today, a lot of people, you know, he's like, nope, you're all the first ones. Praise God, you know, okay, you know, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, nothing, great day, you know, you know, so he throws us in the van with our tubes, takes us like three miles up the mountain, drops us off, and the van leaves, we have to ride the river back down to our car, and so, you know, we're just, you know, we're having fun, we're having fun, we're on vacation, this is great, and so we we go to get in the water, and as the van's getting ready to pull out, the guy's like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's uh, you know just finishing the winter. All the ice at the top of the mountains is now melted, so the water's freezing. See you later." You know, like, <laughs> what in the world? So sure enough, like I, there 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 are not many things in the world that my wife hates as much as being cold, particularly cold water. So so we 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 go and. Sure enough, dude wasn't lying. We like dip our toes in the water. And it's the kind of, it's like heart skip a beat, bone chilling, cold. You touch it, it's kind of like. <gasps> so we're like, oh my, this is about to be miserable. We got three miles to go in this. And the, and the river's slow. This thing just, oh, oh, oh. Just Take days to get down the river. And so we figure out how to like lay on the tube in such a way where we're not touching the water that much. You know, we kind of like got this whole deal. We can hold on to each other's. Handles and kind of like paddle along to get done with this thing, right? This is so much fun, right? Yeah. And so she she was convinced that we were gonna go down in a certain way, and, and she had to hold on to the handle of my tube. She just grabbed onto it, you know. So it was like she's like, we're gonna do this together. I'm again, I'm the planner, I'm like all right. I've, I've already chalked this whole experience up as a fail. So I, I'm telling her, I'm like, all right, look, this is going to be terrible. It's going to be miserable. Here's so we can get down quickest. Here we go. Here's this. You can do this. I'll do this. We'll get down quickest and be done. But, but she wanted to, as much as we could, enjoy the experience. <laughs> so her idea of that was to grab onto the tube to the handle of my tube and go down like together, you know? So we're staying together. Any rapid we hit, anything we hit, we're doing it together, together, together like this. And so it's, it was fine and cute and all these different things like when we were kind of going slow to start. But then what happened as soon as some rocks came, as soon as a little rapid thing came, like it just got really like inconvenient and very difficult very quickly. She'd spin, I'd whip around, I'd get stuck on the rocks. I mean, it was like, it got really crazy really quick. And, and so I begin to instruct her, uh, let go of the handle. <laughs> <It's not> a, <laughs> let go of the handle. Just spinning, 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 doing all this all this kind of stuff. I'm like, babe, just this one section is kind of rough. Let go, get through. I'll meet you right there. We can grab one. The more I instructed, the more I talked, the more we hit, just poof. Like nothing I could say your dude, that girl was she was grabbed on, boom, all the way down. Like here's how this story ends, okay? Here, this story literally ends. I get stuck on a rock. My tube pops, and we walk two and a half miles down back to our car. <laughs> Praise God, this is true. Even then, though, she she was not letting go. Some of y'all are like, why is he talking about this? How's this? What does this have to do with the Bible? <laughs> here's the faithfulness of God in your life through every rapid and every rock and every storm and every season like I know you don't feel it I, I I know it seems like God is absent and it seems like God is far and I know God hasn't come through in the past if you want but but he's faithful and because he's faithful here's where God is in your life right now he's He's faithful to you He's he, he, he is faithful he can't not be faithful. The faithfulness of God is is on and around your life because it's who He is. He can't let go because He can't deny Himself. He's faithful. I encourage you tonight, you can trust God because God is faithful. You can obey God when you don't understand because He's faithful. You can trust God's timing for your life because He's faithful. I'll finish with this. I'm asking the worship team to come help me as I finish. We just saw from 2 Timothy 2.13 that if you don't trust God, God is still faithful. If you don't trust Him, if you don't obey, if you don't trust if God's still faithful because His faithfulness is not dependent on you. But, If you do trust God, if you do put your trust in a faithful God, here's the third point tonight. When you trust God, you will display His power. If if you trust God with every fiber of your being, if you trust God with every part of your life, your life, this church, will become a billboard for the faithfulness of God. It will become a display for the grace, the goodness, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wanna show you what I mean. Daniel chapter six, verse number 25. Daniel's been lifted from the den and been rescued. And here's what King Darius declares to the entire kingdom in verse number 25. I want you to see this. King Darius writes to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For He is the living God and He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues. He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Alright, now time out. Time out. What in the world just happened? Because 20 verses, literally 20 verses before that, here's King Darius. Pray to me. I'm God. I am all authority. I am all power. And if you don't, I'll show you that I am and I'll kill you. Try me. 20 verses later, Daniel's God's the living God. His kingdom will never end. He performs signs. He performs wonders. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. He's the real God. And you just have to take a step back and say in 20 verses, what just happened? He didn't go to a great church service. He didn't attend a very informative Bible study. Here's what happened. He saw the faithfulness of God displayed in the life of Daniel who trusted him. Daniel's life became a billboard for God's faithfulness. I was thinking about this and there was an old show, I don't think it's on anymore but you may remember it, called Extreme Makeover Home Edition, Do you remember this show? They find a family in a community. That's doing a great thing. They're helping people or they've got special things going on. They're just, they're, they're doing great things for people around. Them. But because of the size and the quality of their home, they're limited. And so the show comes into town, takes the family, sends them off to Disney. They destroy the old house they're in. And they build for them a beautiful, customly designed mansion to help them do what they're doing to serve people. It's amazing. So they build the house, and they bring the family back in to see their new house, and they ride them down the street of their neighborhood with tinted windows so they can't see before they get there, and the streets are packed. You guys guys remember seeing this? Streets are packed. There are thousands of people lining the streets, and TV cameras, and news cameras, and everyone's cheering, ready to see this family see their brand new house. And they drop the family off right in front of their house, in the middle of the road, But between them and the house is something. What is that? The bus, right? Giant tour bus. And so they're just kind of standing there and hanging out. And all of a sudden, a cheer begins to erupt. Move that bus. Move that bus. Move that bus. It just starts cheering loud, loud, loud. The engine starts up on the bus, and the bus slowly drives away, and it goes straight to commercial break. absolute worst. But if you notice, when they come back from commercial break, one would think they would show you the house. They don't show you the house at all. They show you the family. And the family's reactions are insane, aren't they? They're so fun. You got the dad. He's trying to be like manly and tough, but you can tell he like really wants to break down and cry. But he's trying to hold it together. (laughs) Then you got the mom. She has got a waterfall of makeup coming down her face. And the kids, the kids are the best. The kids are going crazy. They are crowd surfing down the street. Woo! Woo! They're looking at everybody. That's my house. That's my house. You want to come over? You can come over. You can come over. What? The kids are going crazy. And all of us, me and you, we are all sitting at home saying, show me the house. Show me the house. Because of what I see in them, I want to know what they're looking at. Because of what I'm looking at here, I want to see what they're looking at there. This is the beautiful part about followers of Jesus in the local church choosing to trust in a faithful God. Is there are people in every space and place around your life and in this city, in every city that this place has a campus that don't know God. They don't know God. They haven't heard and grasped the good news of Jesus. But here's the thing. They they, they can see your life. They can see the faithfulness of God in your life, the goodness of God in your life. And and they can see your gaze upon Jesus and His goodness and His grace. And they can choose to, to, to ask Him what a beautiful opportunity we have as a church to introduce them to the God who is faithful to us and can be faithful to them. I want to encourage you today, when you trust God, you will display God's power. And I want to believe that for your life. I want to believe that for this church. I want to believe that for this city, for this state, for everywhere this church puts its foot, that that it would be a billboard for the grace of God. Would you stand to your feet all over the room with me? I want to pray tonight, and then we're going to close in worship. We're going to respond to God's word together. The team's going to lead us in a song here as we respond to God's word, and I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes right there where you are today. And I wanna pray for somebody today that's having a hard time trusting the faithfulness of God because of the situation you find yourself in. You've been in the lion's den for a long time and there's no end in sight. But I wanna remind you today that God is faithful and I wanna refocus your eyes tonight on the greatest example of God's faithfulness which is not the lion's den, but it's the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus is a picture of 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, He will be faithful. Me and you were faithless. But Jesus was faithful to the cross for you. Tonight, if you're having a hard time trusting God, I want to refocus your mind's attention and your heart's affection back on the cross of Jesus to remind you that He is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. I'm going to pray for us tonight and then the pastors are going to be down here up front as this last song sings and as we worship and respond to God's word. And tonight, if you need to just renew your trust in God in this season, if you've got something you know God is asking you to do in obedience to Him but you're having a hard time trusting and obeying, I want you to come down here and worship and, and renew your trust in God tonight. If you're in alliance in season and you're weary and exhausted and have given up your fight and your faith in this season, I want you to come down and get prayer and worship tonight and ask God to renew your trust in Him so He can remind you tonight, remind yourself soul that he's faithful so father we look to you tonight we turn our mind's attention and our heart's affection back on the good news of the cross of Jesus Lord to be reminded that while we were yet sinners you died for us while we were faithless you were faithful while we were far from you you drew near to us while we were running from you you were running towards us God remind our soul tonight that you are faithful Lord, for the brother and sister in the room tonight that's in the lion's den and is weary and hurting and discouraged and and feels beat up by unanswered prayers, tonight I pray you would renew their faith and their trust in you in Jesus' name. Tonight I pray against the spirit of doubt, against the spirit of discouragement, and ask that you would be the lifter of their head in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to trust you greater today than ever before. Lord, renew our faith in this season to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's respond in worship and prayer for a few moments, can we? Come on, team.